over these last few weeks, we've been thinking together about uh, the the way that Jesus um, uh, appears and um, communicates uh, in the uh, Gospel of Mark. We've been um, thinking about different um, little episodes and particularly different things that are said in the Gospel of Mark, um, usually by Jesus. But um, today on Easter Sunday, it's right that we read Mark's resurrection story. And as I'm sure you know, Mark is the, the shortest of our Gospels and the most abrupt, the most to the point. And there's something very typical, very characteristic in Mark's resurrection story. It is very short, very abrupt, very to the point. We just get eight verses. And um, it's so short and so abrupt that um, the, the boffins, the scholars, the people who write books um, argue about whether it could possibly really have meant to have finished at verse 8. Some people think it had a, a bit longer and somehow it became lost, the, the ending. Others think uh, that it did end there, but you can see that the early church was a bit embarrassed about this very, very short ending, and they put a couple of extra ones on um, to sort of pad it out a bit. But I want to just think about these eight verses which tell the story of the resurrection. And I want to think particularly about the words of the young man or the, the angel in the tomb. The women go to anoint Jesus' body. Uh, they weren't able to do that at his death because um, it was very close to the Sabbath. And of course, it was Passover and everyone wanted to uh, celebrate the feast. So they that Jesus was wrapped in this rather hasty cloth and put in a, a, a cave, a, a tomb. And so there wasn't any time to do what would normally be done for a dead body. So uh, on uh, the day after Sabbath, which of course is Sunday, but for, for them would have felt much more like Monday morning, they went uh, and, and they take their, their spices to anoint Jesus' body. And, and they're not sure how they're going to be able to get in, but they go anyway. And when they get there, they find that the tomb is rolled away and they go in and they see this young man and um, they are alarmed. Now this is a really good clue that this is an angel because always in scripture uh, or almost always when people meet an angel they are frightened. Um, it's one of the key reasons why you should never confuse an angel with a fairy okay. Fairies are not scary, angels are scary okay. Angels are messengers of God. They have a presence and an aura about them. And uh, so the first thing the angel says is, don't be alarmed, don't be frightened. I have come with this message. You are looking for the Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. And then everything changes. Then the, 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 the new chapter of the story opens. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Three Little sentences which change the world. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Sin has been paid for. Death has been conquered. New life. The new life of God has broken into the world. God has put things right. He has given us his great yes and no. His great yes, I love you. And no, I will not let you go. And that's what Jesus does on the cross. 
He shows us God's great yes and God's great no. Yes, I love you and no, I will not let you go. And as Jesus dies, our sin is paid for. And as Jesus rises again, that great enemy, death, is finally conquered. And the grave need have no fear for any of us because we are with him in eternity. And then the, the angel gives the women a job. He says, go, tell. Go, tell. And this is an enormous privilege, an enormous task, uh, an honour given to these women as they uh, find the empty tomb on Easter Day. They are to go and tell. And uh, uh, there's a little bit of a twinkle in, in Mark's eye, I think, as he writes this chapter, because you, you may remember that all the way through Mark's gospel, different people sort of catch a glimpse of who Jesus is and they want to go and tell people. And Jesus tells them not to. Don't. Wait. Not the time yet. Don't go telling people who I am. And, and, and sometimes they, they disobey him and they go and they tell him any, they go and tell anyway. And then it says Jesus can't go into the villages and, and it all gets a bit difficult. Here, people are finally told, yes, you can go and tell. And what do they do? They don't. OK, they run off and they don't say anyone anything to anybody because they're terrified. And you can imagine Mark chuckling along as he said that. But that's not the thing I want to really think about. What I want to think about are the words that follow this amazing um, command. Go tell. Go tell his disciples and Peter. Those two words and Peter. Mark's gospel is the only gospel that includes those two words and Peter. And the gospel, the good news, is encapsulated in those two words. Peter is, of course, the leader of the disciples. He is the one who sees who Jesus is. He is, he is the one on whom uh, Jesus says he will build his church. He is the one uh, who, who steps out uh, and who, who seeks to follow Jesus in, a, in an emphatic and, and, and powerful way. He's the one who says to Jesus, I will follow you to the end. I will never deny you. I will be with you come what may. You may know that in Mark's gospel, that the disciples are, are very much a, a game of two halves. In the first half, they do OK. They can they see who Jesus is. They obey him. They follow him. They go. They're sent out by Jesus and they do uh, remarkable things. And, and they come back and they tell Jesus all about what they've achieved. But as it becomes more and more clear who Jesus is and what it means to follow him, then in the second half, they, they go more and more pear shaped. They begin to, to jostle for position. They begin to argue. They begin to steal a march on one another. They, they want to have the best positions. And the closer they get to Jerusalem, the more sort of um, bitter and, and divided and fractious they become. So much so that by the time you get to the, to the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, um, they are a sort of disparate group who don't seem to know what they're doing or where they're going. And Peter says those amazing words, I will follow you come what may. And Jesus says, before the end of tonight, you will deny me three times. And, and 
please forgive me being a being a train spotter about Mark's gospel, but but there's this really telling moment at the right at the end of chapter 14. This is the last time we see any of the disciples in Mark's gospel. Okay, and this is how they finish. Immediately the cock crowed a second time. Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the cock crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. That's it. We never see them again in Mark's gospel. The last disciple is Peter breaking down and weeping because he could not stand up even to a servant girl. But the angel has a word for him. Go tell his disciples and Peter. The message of the resurrection is even for him. It even includes him. It names him. It reaches out and says, it's OK. Jesus has defeated all of this and you you particularly, you specifically, are invited into the resurrection. You are invited into new life. It's a beautiful detail that includes. And what I want to say to you is, however you may feel about yourself, and you may be feeling absolutely fine about yourself, and if you are, that's brilliant. I'm not trying to make you feel awful. <laughs> The point is that no one is outside the message of the resurrection. No one can exclude themselves. No one can say this isn't for me. No one is not invited because the angel says, go tell his disciples and Peter. And if you are unsure, read it and put your name in it and go somewhere where it's just you and read it out loud. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Tom. Go tell his disciples and put your name in. Because you are invited. You are included. You have the opportunity of stepping into this new life, this resurrection, this moment when the world is turned upside down and nothing will ever be the same again because he is risen and we are forgiven and the new creation of God, which will come finally and fully when Jesus returns, breaks in nonetheless. And we can taste it and touch it and know that it's true and live in its reality. You are invited in those two words. Go tell his disciples and Peter. May God grant that you hear that invitation and you can taste and see that Jesus is alive today. Amen.